0: Let's give God some praise this morning. I love that song. Um, first time I heard it was at our denomination's general conference in Buffalo, New York, and it was a time in our ministry where I always joke. I say we lost people on both ends because there was one group that figured out I really was a biblical conservative. that's not what they were looking for so they were out the door and i said there was another group on the other end that figured out we were never going back to being a traditional model church we were doing what god had led us to do and they went out the other end and i had relationships with those folks and i was close to a lot of them had invested a lot in those folks and uh it was tough it was a real tough time and in the midst of all that i heard that song and i thought man that speaks to me so deeply the rock won't move do not matter what's moving around you, don't matter what's falling apart in your life, the rock won't move. And if we are founded on him, grounded in him, he will not move, he will not be shaken. And because he won't be shaken, we don't have to be shaken either. We had a family that just came up here to pray and I praise God that we are able to do that in our church, that we're not so programmed, that we can't have a move of the spirit and people try to follow the spirit's leading. I just wonder though, I'm almost sure today they're not the only ones who need prayer about something. I would imagine we all have something going on in our lives, some storm, some shaking, something that the enemy is trying to do to discourage us. And I'm sure that's not the only family, not the only individual that needs prayer today. So I think the spirit just laid this in my soul as we were there singing. If you feel like you need special prayer about anything today, anything at all, I'd like to invite you to come, and I'd like for you to stand right here during our pastoral prayer. And I'm just going to pray over you, and I'm going to pray God's blessings on this church. love for you to come up and join us. So just move right now, move up to the front. If you have anything that's going on that you need prayer for right now, I'd like the opportunity to pray over you. It's good when God's people dwell together in unity, amen? It's good when God's people are together as one in the bonds of love. That's what God calls for us to do, and this is a great sign of that. Come right on in, come right on in. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a rock, you are a shield, you are a hiding place, God. In the midst of the storms of life, in the midst of the attacks of the enemies, in the midst of it looking like everything is going to fall apart, God, you are there. And you give strength to the strengthless. You give a voice to the voiceless, God. We don't have to fear anything because you are our helper. We thank you as it says in the book of First Samuel that thus far the Lord has been our helper. God, sometimes we look back and we see, we, sometimes we forget about the things that you brought us through if we're honest, God. We forget about how tough it was, we forget about the storms that are in our past, but God, you have brought us through and you have brought us to this place. And God, there was not one time that you left us, there was not one time that you forsook us, God, you were right there with us, walking with us, God. Even if we didn't see you, even if we didn't feel you, you were still there. God, we all so many times go through the dark night of the soul. We go through times where it seems like the heavens are brass. It seems like when we pray, it doesn't get through. It seems like that you have turned a deaf ear toward us, God, but we know that is not who you are because you are a good father and you love your children. And God, even when you seem distant, it's not you that's moved. It's we who have moved because of circumstances, because of things that have come into our life, God, remind us today that you are still there. And Lord, I don't know any all the needs, I know probably some, but I don't know all the needs that are represented in this group that's gathered up at the front this morning, God. But I just pray right now, God, that you would move miraculously in each situation. God, let them know that you're the one who did it. Let them know that it could not have happened by natural means, that it had to be a supernatural move of God that brought them out of the pit and set them on a solid rock. God, you've done that for me in my life. Lord, I know you long to do that again for each and every one of us, God. Help us not to turn to the left or to the right, but help us to follow you in all your ways, God. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gift of eternal life. We thank you that we only find that in Jesus Christ. Help us be the kind of people who tell others about that gift. We love you and we praise you, God. We magnify and glorify your name this morning. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray all these things. And Rushwood said together, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for for choosing to worship with us today. We love that you are here. there's a thing called the ministry of presence just by your presence just by being here today you contribute something special to this service that would not happen if you were not here and so we thank you so much that you are ministering to each other by your presence here today i hope that we're not going to do a formal greeting or anything like that this morning but i hope that before you leave here today you'll speak to some folks uh you'll tell them ask them about how their thanksgiving went tell them that it's good to see them today and bless them in the name of Jesus. I do want to reiterate a little bit about what Pastor Jason talked about earlier. We have decided to go a different direction. Usually we have done a thing called Rush the Halls, which has been really fun uh, when we've done that, and we've done that at Sunset Theater. uh, Most of the Christmases, I I think now for four years, we have done that in a row. But we decided to take this year off from doing that it is a lot of work it's a lot of work for our worship team it's a lot of work for others who are involved in it and so we decided we would take at least a year off we're gonna see how this year goes and we're gonna pray about it and see what God leads us to do next year whether we bring that back or whether we do something different but we really wanted to concentrate on our Sunday morning worship during the month of December you know church growth experts tell us that a church can pretty much grow if you do Easter well and if you do Christmas well you can pretty much grow at least some based on doing those two holidays well. And so we really wanted to focus on Christmas. We know that it's a time where maybe people are more open to the things of God, more open to, things of the, to, to the things of the Spirit than they are usually. And so we want to leverage that as much as we can. And so we decided that next week we would do a kickoff Sunday, kicking off the holiday season, the Christmas season, Uh, in the best way that we knew how and so that's why we're doing the family photos we hope that you'll plan to be here participate in that we're gonna have to move fast last year at Christmas we had two services so we could take photos before two services now we're back to one service and so it's gonna have to move pretty fast next week to get everybody through on those pictures so just be aware of that and help us out with that if you can and we thought about well, what's Christmas food what does that and so we came up with pancakes Pancake sounds like Christmas food, right? I mean, it's sweet. It's. I, I said I said a while back, I said, everybody likes pancakes. And the person I was talking to said, I don't like pancakes. I said, what are you talking about? Everybody likes pancakes. But anyway, pancake, sausage, it's going to be just, a, we do this to give you guys a chance to hang out and get to know each other a little bit better. We also do this, though, so that you have a good excuse to invite people to come to church. We want you to be witnesses in your day-to-day life. We want you to do what we call personal evangelism, which is you share the story of what God has done for you. You share the good news about Jesus personally, and we hope that you'll do that. But we also know another way that we can evangelize is to get people in the presence of God's people and get them to see what's going on as far as uh, when the Holy Spirit shows up here, when we're worshiping here, there's something special that happens. I mean, how many times have you heard somebody give their testimony, and they'll talk about maybe if they were saved in a church service, and they'll say, I don't have a clue what the preacher preached about that day. I don't even remember what the preacher was preaching about. I just know that God was there, and I know he was speaking to my heart, and I knew I had to do something. So That means I'm not quite as important as maybe sometimes I think I am, um, but it also means that when, there's something special that happens when we get people in the presence of people who are in the presence of God. And so next week, I, if, if let me boil it all down, invite somebody to church next week. Invite them to come, invite them to hang out with us, see, see what we're uh, all about with our worship team. The worship team is planning some really neat stuff, and so we, we hope that you'll invite them to come hear that. All my sermons during the month of December, we're going to be looking about at some of the attributes of Christmas, the really heart of Christmas. And so I know like today's sermon, I'm going to talk about if you're a boss working for a company, what that needs to look like. That probably won't tie into everybody very well, but what we're talking about during the month of December is actually going to be stuff that reaches, I think, everybody right where they are. And so just invite people. We hope that they'll come next week and say, hey, if you enjoyed it, just come all month. I think if we have them here for a month, then maybe they'll be hooked on Jesus and they'll be hooked on being part of our church family. But we need you to do that. So leverage this day next week. Leverage uh, this kickoff Sunday that we're doing. Come next week and invite somebody to come with you. Can we do that? Okay, awesome, awesome. Thank you guys so much. Today we are finishing up our series, Home and Office, by speaking to a unique group of people, the bosses, the bosses. Now my my wife's brother, his name is Brent too, which gets kind of confusing around holidays because there aren't that many Brents out there. And when Julie's little niece was real small, she couldn't, if you don't know my wife's brother, he's bald, Uh, he's sitting back there, he's kind of smiling at me with a little smirk back there, but he's bald, he don't have no hair, and so... uh, my wife's little niece used to try to call him bald, but she was so small it came out boss. And so she, and that still that has stuck. They call me Brent in the family and they call him boss. So we're not preaching just to him, but we are preaching to a unique group of people, which are those who are in management, those who are in charge, those who are in authority. God's word speaks to it, so we want to speak to it as well today. We're going to be talking about the bosses. And the title of my sermon, I had to go there. I, I tried to think of something else, I was, but, but I just had to go there. The title of my sermon is, Like a Boss. And if you guys have no idea what that's about, you need to ask a millennial. A few years ago, a few years ago, there was a meme on the internet. And if you don't know what the, a meme is, ask a millennial. They can share that with you as well. If you don't know what the internet is, that's what Al Gore invented a while back. No, not really. I thought y'all would laugh more at that. Anyway, remember he claimed to do that. A meme on the internet called Like a Boss. And basically, what Like a Boss was, as far as a meme was, it was a catchphrase often used in image macros or GIFs, or GIFs, if you prefer, that feature a person completing an action with authority and finesse. Authority and finesse. In other words, what I usually don't do during my day to day life. But there's some memes. I thought I'd pick up some of the memes, like a boss memes. This went around probably three years ago. That cat is a boss. No dogs allowed, but cats are obviously allowed, and that cat is just chilling there like a boss. This kid is eating watermelon like a... That's a kid that likes watermelon right there. Oh, my goodness. Eating watermelon like a boss. Next one. Surviving Shark Week like a boss. Man, that, if you don't know what Shark Week is, that's a thing that they have on television every year that's all about sharks, and that dude is ready for it. I love this one. Chicken walking right by KFC, like a boss. Maybe I should have had a turkey this week. I like this one, though. A soldier on Christmas, defending Christmas like a boss. Aren't we thankful for our soldiers? Aren't we thankful for those who serve our country? But that's what like a boss means. You're in charge. You've got it on lockdown. Everything is going well for you. You're doing it with authority and finesse. That's where the title and the meme comes from, like a boss. But I'll be honest with you, most of the time in our culture, I think we have a negative view of bosses. How many of you, let's be honest, let's have a little time of confession here today. How many of you have ever had a bad boss before in your life? Somebody you did not enjoy. I have too. I've had good bosses, but I've also had some. Some of the people who work for me right now are like, yes, 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 I have had a bad boss. A lot of times we speak negatively about our bosses. We speak negatively about those in authority, and it's true. There are people who abuse their authority. There are people who aren't good at leadership. There are people who are bad bosses. But there are also people out there who are good in authority, and there are people that God has raised them up to a position so that they can bless others and so they can glorify His name. And some of the bosses that I've had in my life have helped me to develop as a person and have been good for me in my life. But a lot of times we talk bad about bosses. I think one of the reasons for that is, just to be honest with you, class envy. I think that's something that's put out there. It's put out there by the media. It's put out there by certain political groups that we should be envious of people who are in a class different than we are. If somebody's a boss, more than likely they're pretty successful. If somebody's a boss, more than likely they're more wealthy than the people that are working for them. At least that would make sense. And so a lot of times we get jealous of people because of their status that's not a godly place to be it's not a godly place to be just because somebody's in authority to look down on them or speak bad about them a lot of times in our nation anymore we have this class separation type thing that if somebody's in a certain class they cannot be a good person now the Bible does tell us very clearly it is hard for a rich person to go to heaven doesn't say it's impossible it says with God all things are possible but it is tough because a lot of the times, the more we have, the more we get attached to, and the more it's tough to be attached to God and to follow Him in the way that we should. But in the Bible, there are also good examples of people who are in authority, good examples of bosses. And we're going to talk about some of those people today. People like Job, who was one of the most wealthy men in the world at his time. People like Abraham, that God raised them up to a certain position, gave them a certain th- uh, place of pro- of prominence and priority so they could bless other people by the way there is a spiritual gift of giving there is a spiritual gift of giving and it's hard to give when you don't have to give and so God sometimes raises people up and puts them in a position where they will have enough that they can give and they can share with others and so authority can be a good thing bosses can be a good thing and when we have all this class envy and we have all this division one question we need to ask How many poor people have ever given you a job anybody ever got a job from a poor person not not very often right it's going to be somebody who's worked hard it's going to be somebody who has found a place of success in their life and so we should not let this class envy thing divide us but if you are a boss you want to be a good boss just like workers God appreciates bosses and he does have standards for them he does have standards for those who are in authority those who are in a position of prominence. Our scripture for today, just like last week, is Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 5 through 9. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. God's Word says this, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, Doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. If you weren't here last week, I want to recap real briefly. We talked about that word slaves, and sometimes it's translated servants, is a very charged word in our culture. We talked about you have to understand that slavery in Bible times was different than slavery in the antebellum South before the Civil War. The abuses were much greater, frankly, in the United States of America at that time than they were in the ancient Near East. Now, there was a good thing in those days, but it was something that was not nearly as heinous as what was going on uh, before the Civil War, frankly, all over the world and a lot of the Western world at that point in time. And so if you need more about that, check last week's sermon. Last week's sermon is on Facebook and it's on YouTube, and you can check that out and you can see what I said there so we don't have to recap all of that. But we also said that if we look at kind of a modern equivalent of a slave or a servant the closest modern equivalent that we can probably come up with in our culture is somebody who is a laborer somebody who is a worker somebody who might be a meal worker somebody who who might have uh, just a day-to-day job that is more equivalent than anything else we can find and we also said that's how you read the bible if there's something in the bible that just isn't in our culture anymore you can draw principles out of it to apply to our culture today. And that's the way that you read the Bible in that sort of context. But here's what I want us to get at today. I see three principles for bosses in what we just read. And I want to relate those principles through uh, three people of authority in the Bible. So we're going to do that and then we're going to get on down the road today. Three principles related to three people in the Bible. The first, the first principle I want to give you today that I see in what we just read in God's Word is that your advantages exist for the Almighty. Your advantages exist for the Almighty. That's true across the board. Whatever God has blessed you with, He did not bless you with that just for yourself, just for your own good, just for your own ego or your own well-being god blessed you with those things so that you can bless other people and above all you can bless him you can bring glory to his name some people have a great singing voice look yeah i'll just be honest this I, i don't mean this mean at all but i listen to a lot of different churches and i'll listen to their worship and then i listen to our worship team and i'm like man we got some singers on our worship team we got some people who have amazing amazing voices and God has really blessed us there, and those folks are singing, and they're blessing God in that way, and our musicians that back them up. uh, Jason was talking about John coming in and pinch-hitting today. uh, We're so thankful that he was able to do that, and so thankful he was able to help us out today. But that's using what God has given you to bless other people and also to bless him. But the first thing is your advantages exist for the Almighty. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11 says this. The apostle paul says whatever things were gained to me those things i have counted as lost for the sake of christ more than that i count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing christ jesus my lord for whom i have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so i may gain christ and may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. Boil all that down. What does that say? Paul is saying, my advantages are for the Almighty. What God has blessed me with, the things that God has placed in my life, all that I have lost for the sake of knowing jesus christ i've surrendered it all to him i've given my entire life for him the apostle paul was one of the most brilliant men of his day he was highly educated he had an amazing mind he surrendered all that to god think about peter who was another one of the prominent apostles peter was just an unlearned fisherman but he was a good leader at times, he could mess up sometimes as well, but he had leadership ability and God used both of these men who were extremely different to lead this early church and to bring the gospel to the nations. All my advantages are for the almighty. Anything that God has given me, I need to leverage for other people. There's a lady in the Bible I want to highlight to you this morning. She is only mentioned one time in all of scripture. There's only one verse that contains her name. It's Colossians chapter 4 and verse 15. And Paul is writing here, he says, Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also Nympha and the church that is in her house. Her name is Nympha. That's all we really know about her is what's said in this one verse. But we can infer a few things about this lady who was in somewhat of a position of authority. She almost certainly had to be rich to have a house large enough to house the church. I don't know how many of you guys hosted Thanksgiving this year, but we hosted Thanksgiving at our house, and I think we had 31 people in our house, and y'all, we don't have a big house. We had just, last year, we actually turned our garage into some extra rooms, or we would have, there was no way we could have gotten 31 people in our house. This lady was hosting an entire church in her house, and by the way, that's how church started out. A lot of times, we get caught up, and we think a church has to look a certain way, it has to It has to have pews instead of chairs, or it has to have a certain color of carpet, or it has to have stained glass windows, or it has to have certain this, certain that. That's not going back to the early church. The early church actually met in houses. The early church was actually very simple. They didn't have all the things that make us feel like we have to have those to do church. That's not how it was. They just met in houses. They met in large areas that sometimes they would rent out, but they did not have set-aside church buildings like we have today but this lady was actually hosting a church in her house so she probably had to be somebody with some pretty good wealth she was probably a widow if she wasn't a widow they would almost certainly have mentioned her husband along with her uh, in in God's word here and so she had to be somebody probably a rich widow maybe her husband was successful in life and had passed on and so this was a rich widow who was hosting the church in her house she sponsored the church in Laodicea if you remember anything about Laodicea if you go to the book of Revelation you'll find that it was the lukewarm church here's one that Jesus said look you got to get right you need to either need to get hot or you need to get cold or I'm about to spew you out of my mouth you need to figure this thing out are you on my side or are you against me where are you you need to get this all figured out it was a lukewarm church but it was also an important church because it was important enough that Jesus addressed it directly in the book of Revelation. So here was a lady who housed an important church. She leveraged what she had, maybe what had been left to her by her late husband or whatever that may have looked like. She leveraged what she had for the gospel, for the sake of Jesus Christ. Her advantage was used for the Almighty. My wife and I were invited to an event through Love Life a few few months back. And it was a place in Lexington, we were invited, it was a neighborhood we'd never been to, a place over in Lexington, and we, all we had was the address and the time to be there. And we showed up, and this place looked like a castle. I mean, it was gated all the way around, there were spires on the house and porticos, and I mean, it was unbelievable. I looked at my wife, I said, did you know a place like this existed in Lexington, North Carolina? And she said, no, I had no clue. And so we pulled up, and we circled around this huge driveway, and I mean, just super, super nice place. I never knew it existed, but just an amazing, amazing house. And so they were hosting hosting a a dinner for Love Life, and these people actually cleared out uh, their living room, and that's where they hosted us, and I think their living room, it was close. I'm not sure. It may have been bigger than our entire house, but it was pretty close. I mean, this was a huge place. They cleared all the furniture out. They had catered food for us for this, uh, and basically for the sake of the gospel. And so we had a Christian NASCAR driver come talk to us that night, and we had a little dude who's become kind of famous in Greensboro who was on Little Big Shots. He was supposed to be there, and we just had all this stuff going on. And and when you went inside this house, you'd look up, and up in the ceilings, it was like European-style paintings on the ceiling. It was just amazing, this place. But these folks were Christians. They loved the Lord. And so they leveraged what they had for the gospel. They leveraged what they had to further a gospel movement, to further a movement that was going on in the church of Jesus. And you know, I didn't sit there and say, man, I wish I had a house like this, or man, I can't believe these people. Look how rich they are. And that wasn't the attitude I had. I thought, wow, isn't it amazing that God has people like this who will leverage what they have to promote his gospel? They will leverage their advantage for the Almighty. And we were very blessed to be there that night. It was very enjoyable. And I think Nympha was probably a person like that. She was somebody who was really blessed. And she said, you know what? I'm not holding my blessing back. I'm using the blessing that I've been blessed with to further God's cause, to further his kingdom. If you're in a position of authority at work, if you're somebody who's in a managerial position, if you're somebody who has employees under you, you need to show them Christ in your day-to-day activities. You need to show them the love of Jesus Christ. Don't use your advantage for yourself. Use your advantage for the Almighty and for His cause. Which leads me into my second point. If you are in a position of authority, you are blessed to be a blessing. You have been blessed so that you can be a blessing. I've already mentioned him. Abraham was one of the richest men in the Bible. He was one of the richest men in culture in his day. But God told him you're not blessed just to be blessed you are blessed to bless others Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 3 says now the Lord said to Abram who would become Abraham go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and so you shall be a blessing And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. That kind of leads us into the Christmas season because that's how Abraham's family was able to bless the entire world. In Abraham's family, eventually down through his lineage would come a child named Jesus who would bless the entire world, every family on the earth, who would accept him, who would follow him, would be blessed and would have the gift of eternal life. Abraham wasn't blessed just to bless himself. Abraham was blessed to bless others. He was blessed to be a blessing. A.W. Tozer, talking about Abraham, called him a rich man who possessed nothing. Abraham had all this stuff, but all of it had been surrendered to God. He even had a son named Isaac. Isaac was the child of promise. You remember the story of Abraham. You remember how long he and Sarah waited to have a child. And it didn't look like they were ever going to have a child. didn't look like they were ever going to have that blessing. And then a child comes into their life. And I'm sure that when Isaac came into the life of Abraham, he was the apple of his eye. He was the most important thing in the world to him. He was his son. He was the child of promise. And God had to test Abraham. God said, I want you to give me your son. Even the son that you love, I want you to go and I want you to sacrifice him at a place called Moriah. You go, I'm going to show you the place, sacrifice him to me, make him a burnt offering unto me. And so what God was doing there was testing Abraham and seeing if he would actually actually surrender the thing that was probably the most important to him in his life. And God found out that Abraham would do that. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his only son, Isaac you know the story God stopped him from making that sacrifice he actually provided a ram that would be the sacrifice and interestingly enough if you study biblical history you'll find out that that place where Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac is at least in the same ridge as where Jesus was crucified and was sacrificed for the entire world Abraham didn't have to make that sacrifice God was going to make that sacrifice but even his most cherished possession Isaac Abraham said, God, I'll give that to you as well. You're God, and I'm going to surrender everything to you. He was blessed to be a blessing. When I was little, did anybody sing Father Abraham when you were little? Anybody remember that song, right arm, left arm, turn around, sit down, all that stuff? Okay. We call Abraham father because Abraham was the father of human faith on this earth. He had faith in God in a different way than anybody who preceded him. He went to a country he didn't know where he was going God said get up and leave your family go to a country that I'm going to show you he went and because of that because of his faith in God he became known as the father of faith on this earth Abraham could have just been a rich man he could have just been a boss but he did not leverage it in that way instead he leveraged it to bless everybody around him bosses managers principals owners you are blessed to be a blessing If God has put you in a position of authority, you are blessed to bless other people. Number three, the third thing that you guys need to know if you're in a position of authority. Your rank does not remove your responsibility. Your rank does not remove your responsibility. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells the story of a rich fool. That is what he's called in scripture, the rich fool. And he is a boss, he is a man in authority, but he has no wisdom. Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21 says, And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, I'll build larger ones, and there I will store all of my grain and all of my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who, is, and now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. It's very dangerous for leaders. Very dangerous for those of us who get in any position of authority, and as a pastor I'm in some position of authority. It's very dangerous when you get to that sort of position because all of a sudden you can start to feel like you're above the rules. You can start to feel like the game does not apply to you, that God is going to look at you differently. God is going to judge you differently because that you're in some position of authority. And it's true, God will judge you differently when you're in a position of authority. James chapter 3, verses 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. In other words, it's not like you think. In the world we think when we raise up in authority, when we advance, when we get to higher positions, then God is going to be lighter on us. God is going to let us off the hook a little bit because we're somebody special. That's not the way that God looks at it. God says, the higher up you advance, the more that I have raised you up, the more that is required of you. The more that you have to actually humble yourself, the more that you actually have to bow yourself before me and to submit to me. And those of us who stand up here and teach, I do a dangerous thing every week, y'all. I stand up here and I try to teach you the words of God. I try to teach you the truth. And at the end of the day, I'm going to be judged more strictly for what I teach. I'm going to be judged more harshly for for what i say to you guys and so i have to be very careful even spiritual leaders we are our rank does not remove our responsibility you know the world has a good old boys club the world has a a good old boys club if you're a good old boy you're a good old girl you've made a certain thing of yourself in your life then people look at you and say oh i know they do that but they're a good old boy they're a good old girl it's okay and they just overlook it god the kingdom of heaven does not have a good old boys club You are judged on your merit as an individual before a holy god and so it's very scary to us it should be very scary to us that when we're raised up in authority god will judge us more strictly in god's economy the higher up you go the more humble you need to be i heard of a church one time it started off if somebody wanted to be an assistant pastor and this was a big huge mega church but if somebody wanted to be an assistant pastor in that church they started them off by having them clean the toilets after the services. They started off with one of the most humble jobs they could possibly have. If they really wanted to lead, if they really wanted to be an authority, then they had to be a, the kind of a person who would get down and it would actually do the dirty work. It would actually be humble enough to serve in that sort of manner. And eventually they could work themselves up to the place where they had some measure of authority. We don't do that here. If you think God's calling you to be an assistant pastor here, we're probably not going to start you off cleaning the toilet. But the principle is not a bad one. The principle is a good one. The higher up you go in God's economy, the more humble you need to be, the more of a servant you need to be. Why is that? Jesus was the highest of all, and yet he came as a servant. He came to serve us. Imagine that, the God of heaven came to serve us serve us you you know what you've done you know the thoughts you've had you know the 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 sins that you've committed in your in your life you know that you're just animated dust really at the end of the day and yet the God of heaven came in the flesh to serve you and to serve me and that's the example that he set. the higher up we go the lower down we need to get as far as serving God and serving others don't fall into the trap of thinking your position grants you special privileges your position actually puts you in great danger when you are blessed and when you're in authority you know growing up y'all I had a really uh, an interesting view of bosses my mom and dad when I was real small they worked for Klausner furniture and they worked there until I was probably in kindergarten and then my dad left there to start a business and about a year later my mom left to join him in starting that business so my mom and dad were actually managers they were small business people they were an authority for most of their lives. And you know what? I know, guys, I use my mom and dad as examples a lot, but they were good ones. They were good ones, and they're always handy to think about the example they set with me growing up. But mom and dad had a small business. They didn't have 100 employees or anything like that. They just had a, a handful of employees that they hired over the years. But I watched them, and as these people would come in and work for my mom and dad, these folks became family to them. They treated them like they were family. They treated them like they were somebody special. They cared about them. They got to know their spouses. They got to know their kids and sometimes their grandkids. These people became family in our family because that's the way my mom and dad ran their business was for Jesus Christ, putting him first. And so they, they had just a small number of employees. They tried to treat them well. They had Christmas parties for them. I still remember my last year teaching I had a a principal I'd had I had one principal my first year teaching then in the second six years I had another principal and then my last year I had a third principal and that last principal was really strict on uh, on all the the teachers I don't know about the kids but definitely the teachers and I remember my mom and dad every year they had a Christmas party for their employees and every year my mom and dad would invite me even when I was teaching to come over and get a plate uh, for lunch and bring it back to the school and I remember this uh, principal said once you guys are at school you can't leave on lunch break you can't leave on your planning period you have to be here all day long and i remember my mom called and she said i know you're probably not supposed to leave but we are having our christmas party at our work today and is there any way that you can get a plate and i said yeah i think i can and so i remember i slipped right by that principal's office walked by all cool got in the car went got a plate and came back and ate it um but i always remember they did that for for their employees, they would have Christmas parties, they would have Thanksgiving parties, they would have birthday cakes for them. They always tried to be really good to those who worked for them. And I remember my mom and dad prayed with them and for them. Those people that worked with them, they knew that they could come to my mom and dad if something was going on in their life and they could share it and my mom and dad would pray for them and they would care about, it, care about them. And some of the people that worked for them were Christians and some of the people that worked for them weren't Christians but they were always there to pray and they were always there to care and they were always there to help bear their burdens. One of their employees I remember started out kind of as a wild child in his twenties working with my mom and dad. And I remember my dad even even though he was uh, kind of a wild dude growing up, this my dad kept this guy on as an employee for years and years and years and when my mom and dad retired he inherited the company from them. And actually because my mom and dad live such a good life and live such a christian life their blessing was transferred to this gentleman i remember another employee that my mom and dad had who was a an evangelist on the side and the christian denomination that he was part of kind of believed that they were the ones going to heaven you know there's some out there that kind of believe they're the ones going to heaven and maybe everybody else is going to miss it and so that's kind of how this guy had grown up But as he worked with my mom and dad over the years, he stopped believing that. I think it was kind of hard to think that people who were so good to him weren't going to heaven too. Lots of change came because of the way they love people. I remember my mom and dad hired people of different ages, different races, different beliefs, and different backgrounds. They kept God as the center of their business. And the Bible quote I heard the most from my mom growing up was from Jesus when he said, to whom much is given, much is required. That's probably I probably could have said that. You may wish that I had just done that today, just giving you that. Because if you don't remember anything else today, remember that. To whom much is given, much is required. If God has blessed you, he requires much from you. If you're a boss, that's true for you. Your advantage is for the Almighty. You are blessed to be a blessing. And your rank doesn't remove your responsibility. God is raises us up so we can bless other people you know that's true for workers as well if you're out there and all you're doing is digging a ditch every week doesn't sound like a fun job but maybe that's your your job day in and day out god has you there positioned uniquely for his glory to bless other people to reach other people do the very best job that you can do and use it for the glory of god and to bless other people and as church members god has you here for a reason You might know you say well you know what i'm not the pastor and i'm not on the board and i'm not on the leadership team i'm a nobody at rushwood don't ever think that you're somebody special here god has you here and you have you bring something to the table that nobody else can bring to the table you being here is so important leverage who you are leverage what god has poured into you for the good of his kingdom for the good of this church Each one of us knows different people. I talked about that at the beginning of the sermon day. Each one of us knows different people. Each one of us has different people in our sphere of influence. Some people will only come to Christ if you invite them to church, or they'll only come to Christ if you tell them, share with them your testimony. Some people in this world, you might be the only person who is positioned to reach them for Jesus Christ. And God says, to whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. Don't just sit back with what God has blessed you with. Turn it into a blessing for other people. Next week, we're going to start our new sermon series, and we're going to be talking about Christmas and some of the great attributes of Christmas. And so, again, it's going to be some sermons. It's going to be some services that should reach people's hearts with the very heart of the gospel. I hope that you'll invite people. I hope that you will make sure that you come as well. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. Our worship team is is headed this way. Since it was kind of close to Thanksgiving, I figured we would sing a song giving God praise for how good he is to us before we leave here today. Let's sing one more song and tell God how good he's been to us.
1: A soul, undeserving. God, You're so good. God, You're so. suffering, Lord, I will remember what Calvary has bought for me, both now and for it. You know it, church, sing it out. Sing it up.
0: Remember Wednesday night, we will be back to doing our normal meeting. Remember at 5.30, that's when we will start with our meal. We hope you'll join us to fellowship with that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We pray that you would remind us that you have blessed us to bless others. You have blessed us to bless your name. Father, just because Thanksgiving is over, I pray that we would not... Move on and forget how we need to be grateful for all that you have done for us. Remind us of our blessings, God. Help us sometimes when we get negative and we look at the downside of things, God. Help us to focus not on the negative but on the good things that you have done, to focus on your blessings, to focus on who you are and the salvation that we have only in Jesus Christ. Thank you for meeting with us today, Father. Go with us. Help us to be a witness. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things, and everyone said together, amen. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. See you Wednesday night. God bless you guys.